Hey guys, it's Titus. Welcome back to the show. Hey, before we get this episode started today, I wanted to bring you a word from our partners. First off, number one, Yukonuba. Guys, legit best dog food out there, truly proven. Yukonuba 3020 dog blend is awesome, guys. It's got chondroitin, it's got glucosamine. Am I saying this because we're partnering with them? Absolutely not. I was already feeding Rocky this dog food and it just happened to work out that we partner with them. So they are incredible. I took them to the vet, get there, show up, and immediately, guess what the vet asked? What are you feeding this dog? And I said, I'm feeding him Yukonuba 3020. And I'm thinking, oh, great. What is he going to say? And he said, man, his teeth are perfectly clean. His hair coat is super shiny and super nice. And he said his weight and everything with that's good. And I got that all on video, guys. I actually went to the the vet and had this on video. You can check it out on our channel if you don't believe me. Yukonuba is where it's at, guys. Also, this podcast is brought to you by Old Town. Old Town, guys, does not only kayaks and canoes, but they do PFD gear. They do all kinds of stuff for the fisher, for the hunter, all kinds of stuff. The one that we got was a Discovery 119, and I can tell you it's awesome. They basically consider it a hybrid. It's like the kind of the best world of the kayaks and the, take the best features of the canoe and you got the solo sportsman 119 it's super awesome guide it, it's got that basically it's got the simplicity and the utility of a classic solo canoe but it's also got the agility and like the sleek handling of a kayak so you guys should check it out and like i said they got so many other options so many other things you can get your dog in it there's cup holders there's padded armrests there's accessories that you can put on there, all kinds of good stuff. So I, I cannot say enough good about it, so I'm going to stop there. And also, one more thing I want to tell you before we start this podcast tonight is we did have a little bit of audio issues for the first 10 minutes with our guest on tonight's episode, so you'll just have to look over that. It clears up really well. We get kind of on a different setup with them, different mic, and bam, sounds good. So Hopefully you guys enjoy this. I think you will. We're talking about black ducks today and hunting them, where at and how to do it, and all kinds of other stuff involving river hunting. All right, guys, here we go. Let's start the podcast. All right, guys, welcome back to the MVM Show. I'm Titus with my co-host Thomas today, and today we have another Thomas, and that is Thomas Hoke with Virginia Outdoors Unlimited. He's got his YouTube channel and uh, Instagram, Facebook, and all that stuff. We'll get into that here in a second, but uh, just wanted to introduce him to you guys. Today's the topic going to be about black ducks. I mean, we're going to get into some other topics and talk about some other things, but wanted to get his expertise on it being over on the East Coast and over there in Virginia. So how's it going, Thomas? It's going well. Going well. I'm very excited to be on the MVM show. Um, the the new big and up and coming podcast though so. <laughs> very excited to be a part of it what? is that sarcasm <laughs> no, but, no but y'all are, y'all are the y'all are the ones on the um y'all are the ones on I don't I don't know what the word is but um y'all are going to be the I I don't know what the word is I can't get the word <laughs> right but That's all right. um no. Hey, you know it's fun because you get to talk to a lot of different people and a lot from a lot of different places and just have a good conversation instead of texting and through social media. You know? Yeah, I'm sure. 
I'm sure, I'm sure it helps with the water talent too. Just get to pick everybody's brain. Yeah. Um, all these people with so much knowledge. I mean, oh, totally. If you learn one one thing from every from every guest, I mean, you just have a wealth of knowledge at your hand. Yeah, exactly. So, we uh, well before we get into talking about black ducks and stuff, because um, that's definitely on my bucket list. I'm sure it's on Thomas's too. Um. We wanted to get in first uh, how your see your early uh, goose season has opened, right? Yep, yep. So our early goose season um, opened on September first here, um, and we have I only hunted that first day. I didn't hunt the second day, or well, no, I hunted both days. Well, the first day we hunted, um, did a big old float down uh, like fifteen mile stretch of river, um, and Holy got smokes. to do quite a few. Yeah, got to do quite a bit of jump shooting, so that was a lot of fun. On the second day, we hunted a little hay field, and uh, unfortunately, we got fogged in pretty good and only had uh, two come in the whole morning, but it was still fun. Wow. Um, that's a, a 15 miles. We've done the river. We know that's a that's a long day right there. Yeah, yeah. We got on the water at, at 6 a.m., and I think we like completely got off the water at 4 p.m. Yeah, that yeah. sounds about right. And you probably didn't stop much either, I bet. No, no. We took one, like... 30 minute break. Um, but yeah, we were pretty much going the whole time. Right on. How, how fast is that yep. river that you were on? It really varies. Um, where we started up at the top, it was moving pretty good. Um, we probably went through a couple of class one rapids and it was moving pretty good. Um, and then the kind of the middle section that we went through was really, really slow. We probably paddled kind of the, the middle five miles and then the last five, five or so miles, it picks back up. So, it really kind of varies. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I that's one reason I like the rivers a lot, a lot easier. Just letting the river do all the work than than like a lake. You know what I mean? Having a paddle the whole time. I'm sure if you were having yeah, a paddle the whole 15 miles, it'd be a different story. <laughs> oh yeah, if you had a, you wouldn't have you like there was a there was one big congregation of geese that I knew of that was going to be on there. But the problem was it was like three miles between either launch. So there's really no no way to go up river. Uh, we right. actually dropped one one goose up above us, and it was pretty back breaking just to try to turn around and and paddle back up to go get that crippled. Yeah, for sure. The river you gotta, I mean, you gotta know what you're doing a little bit. You know what I mean? Like uh, it can yeah. it can uh, it can get hairy really fast. Like it can go from mm -hmm. everything's just nice and peaceful to not so good anymore really fast at least yeah, where we're at that's a, go ahead yeah that's a float that's the kind of the reason you know that's a float i had no problem doing in september i didn't even think twice about it come january uh i'm not so sure if i would be 100 percent down to float 15 miles a river <laughs> right yeah. right yeah i could get gnarly we've you know, one thing maybe could tell, you know, the listeners too, if they haven't ever done a river trip, you, it's kind of a good thing to scout the river like the day before, just to check the water levels when you're in the winter time, you know, because we went down there mm -hmm. and didn't pay attention. Just thought, ah, it's probably like it always is. And then it's like, it's rushing. And actually Travis lost his, his daughter's cut. She just bought a kayak and he lost it because he flipped it, oh, and it and it took off down the river. We can never catch up to it. And needless to Damn. say, it wasn't no good for duck hunting or fishing either way because it was just the water was just moving too much. Yeah, yeah, I've definitely seen that before, um, especially on some of our longer rivers, like down near the uh, the bay where I live. You know, maybe 
we haven't had a lot of rain down there. If you get a lot of rain up in the mountains, uh, you go down to the river and the thing's rushing. So, um, mm. yeah, definitely check the river. Or you can even check um, the U.S. Geological Service, USGS, has a lot of water gauges that you can find online. Right. Uh, find the, the actual live gauge report, too. So I use those a lot. Yeah. It pays to pay attention. Sometimes I know myself, I just get out there and do things and don't put a lot of uh, brain activity into it, you know? Sometimes you pay the price for that. But live and learn, I guess. Live and learn, you know? But The thing is, for you, it's a lot more, I think it's even more important because here, even in even in winter, you know, temperatures are nothing like yeah, what right. you're getting over there. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah so. I've... I don't know what the, the coldest I've ever, well, I, I, the coldest I've ever been on the river was about 10 degrees, but, um, yeah, I can definitely get a little bit gnarly out there. That's cold, man. What do you, um, yeah. what do you like for like, um, uh, well, I'll say the fancy word, the PFD. What do you like to be able to shoulder a shotgun without having too much issue with that life jacket? kind well, of messing I, up? I'm not sure the actual brand that I use. I just, I think I went to like Cabela's or Bass Pro and just picked it out. But it's basically one of those ones. Um, it's just kind of low, so you have the mesh up on the shoulders. Mm-hmm. So I like the ones. I mean, I, I have mesh just about to, I don't know, probably eight or so inches below my shoulder line. So I can get a whole the whole stock on there without, you know, hitting anything. Oh, nice. And that's pretty easy. I've shot, I've shot with those before. And just like, you know, I've been wearing a PFD. Mm-hmm. Do you have any fancy setup, like any fancy little knickknacks or trinkets in your kayak to where it just makes life a little bit easier or do you just go out just throw it in the water and take off i i really don't people always ask me to make uh people can ask me to make uh, like a kayak setup video for a long time but the reason i haven't done it because um, my kayaking kind of um, mantra is about simplicity i mm-hmm. want my kayak to be as simple as possible mm-hmm. i don't want i don't want anything to you know that's the reason I don't like boats that much is because there's always something on boats that can get in the way or break mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, the one thing I will say is I keep a paddle on my kayak leash at all times, especially Absolutely. in the winter. If you're jump shooting, that way you don't have to worry about putting your paddle on. Just throw that paddle, pick up the shotgun and shoot, and then you can pull, pull your paddle leash. I've also put a paddle leash on my shotgun before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I once dropped my shotgun out of the kayak into about eight feet of water. And I spent two days with a magnet just sitting there dropping, dropping, dropping for four hours both days. Finally, I literally turned around. I was so distraught. I turned around to go back down the river and dropped it one more time. No lie. Pulled back up and felt the barrel come up and pulled it up. No way. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, and, I had a similar story. And then ever since then, Except you, you mine, had a leash on yours, I guess. Mine huh? didn't have a happy ending, though, like yours did. I dropped it. Well, uh, my Benelli, my, my Benelli's never been the same after that. <laughs> what happened? Yeah, I'm sure it got little fine coarse grain. It's, I'm sure it, I think it just has little fine pieces of sand in it. Um, and it was the cycle, it, the action wasn't right. So I took it to a proper gunsmith and it got cleaned out and everything. Um, and he like completely took it apart. And it's been better then. But uh, I tried to shoot that gun after pulling it out of the Sandy River and just basically doing like a light cleaning on it. And I was having all sorts of. Uh, failures to eject and failures to do a bunch of different stuff. Man, that stinks. Yeah, I I dropped my the first shotgun I bought. I started going down the river in a kayak quite a bit, and I had uh, a paddle leash on my paddles, but I didn't have 
my shotgun tied off to anything. And mm-hmm. it, it was honestly what was what was so bad about it is I was at a, on a pretty calm spot in this river, and then it all mm-hmm. kind of just funneled into a, a real narrow part. And I thought uh-huh. it was everything was honky-dory. But then I went in. <clears throat> well, little did I know there was a rock right under the surface that caught it, and it turned me. And as soon as it turned me, the, the current just swept out from underneath me and my shotgun went over and <clears throat> it wasn't really that cold. So I, I can't remember what I, I think I had, yeah, I had waders on. So I stripped everything off and tried to get in that water and find that gun. I just, I couldn't, I spent probably, <laughs> I didn't spend two days just because I was in a really remote area, but um, yeah, I'd never found it. So that was a bummer. No, it's, yeah, that sucks. My my story's a little bit less um, less fun. I was literally going. I was about a hundred feet above my launch, and this was right when I had kind of started kayak waterfowl hunting. Um, and I didn't keep my my gun. I took my gun out of my case and left left my case in my truck all the time. Um, and literally got out to go over a beaver dam, the first beaver dam I had to cross. And just kicked my gun and it went sliding off. So I was only about a hundred yards from the launch. So oh. I was part of the reason I was um, mm. so willing to go back. Well, how how old were you at that time? Um, seventeen, I think. Okay. Oh, yeah, I think I was seventeen. So from now now at the, that, the day after that, I went and bought a floating gun case, <laughs> and now that my gun stays in a floating gun case from the time I put in until I shoot, and then the time for my pickup decoys until I get back to my truck. Mhm. Yeah, and I'm assuming you started tethering your gun after that, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. See, so I have a little, um, just like a paddle leash. All it is is like a little two pieces of, you know, you velcro it together, and I just velcro it right around. Um, I don't know, right at the the top of the stock. Yeah. So, do you? What do you like? Tell us a little bit about before we get in this black ducks. Just kind of digging around in this. Tell us a little bit about your setup. Uh, for your kayak and like maybe because you, do you do a layout like um, setup in your kayak too? <laughs> so yeah, with my kayak, um, like I said, I try to keep it really simple. Um, I don't want to have anything in the way when I'm paddling. So what I do is basically take a big twelve feet long piece of burlap. My kayak is twelve feet long. Um, it's about thirty inches wide, and I just take that piece of burlap and kind of measure out four, four, three, four foot sections and cut three, four foot pieces. Um, the middle piece ends up being a little bit longer so that, you know, it covers my, my whole body. Um, so probably about four, five, four. And then those pieces of burlap just stay in the front of my kayak. So I paddle to where I want to hunt, pull that burlap over, you know, I'll put a piece of the piece of burlap on the front, the piece of burlap on the back, and then put the one piece of burlap on me. Um, and then that's basically just all I use. I'm, I may throw a piece of grass or two on top of me if I feel like I'm really sticking out, but I have the benefit of hunting a lot of areas that have a lot of natural cover. I'm not, you know, hunting prairie marshes where I'm completely yeah. out in the open. A lot of times I can pull up next to a log or um, I, I have a lot of possibilities. So I don't have to um, hi- I don't have to do as much hiding myself as much as, you know, just finding that good spot that's um, kind of naturally hidden away from either sh- with shadows or something of the other sort. Yeah. So you – because I noticed on a lot of your videos, you're kind of tucked up almost in the trees. So you got that benefit too, probably like being in the shade and stuff like that as well. 
Yep, yep. And I also like I don't have to worry about a hood or anything because I have top cover most of the time, at least some sort of top cover. Gotcha. Hey, so Thomas, uh, how deep's the water usually when you're hunting? Because you you stay in your kayak, right? And I know that's a little bit harder to shoot out of. Yeah, is the water too deep or? It's typically the mud. Um, For some reason, the mud in my part of Virginia, most of the spots, if I get out, I'm up to my waist. So That is not uh, a good feeling. Yeah, walking through that type of mud is next to impossible. So that's that's part of the reason. Um, That's basically the main reason. And then, you know, if we want to, if you want to, if you drop a bird or cripple a bird and you have to walk through that mud, you're not going anywhere. So, um it's better to just stay in the kayak in case you do sail one or something and get on it quick. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. There's no way you'd be walking through that. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the times I'm kind of trying to get as far into the middle of these little pools as I can. Um, a lot of times it looks like there's trees behind me, but really the, the mud line doesn't stop for another 20 or 30 feet. So in the past, that's where we would be taking a little bit longer shots. Um, uh, nowadays, I feel like with the layout style, we're able to get, you know, 10 to 15 yard shots versus 30 to 35 yard shots. Oh, uh, gotcha. That makes a lot more sense. Yep. That's yep. nice. And man, <laughs> well, let me uh, mention a couple of things before we continue on. Um, Thomas, uh, as I think a lot of you know, and maybe you don't, I don't know how much have we've mentioned on this podcast, but we got the Flyways Collective going on, which is um, our channel, Mid Valley Mercenaries, Thomas's channel, uh, Virginia Outdoors Unlimited. You got Elliot, Freelance Duck Hunting, Jordan, Duck Gun Chronicles, and Matt from High Prairie Sportsman. So we've collectively come together, guys. And if you haven't heard of some of these channels or all of them or whatever, um, just go check their channels out on YouTube. We do have another sixth member going to be a part of this pretty soon, but to be announced. And uh, you guys go check it out. Thomas has a great channel. He it's nice because he's in the um, uh, the Eastern Flight. My my mind just went blank. Atlantic. The Atlantic Flight. Yeah, Atlantic Flight. And I, you know I don't yep. I don't know. Maybe it'd be a good spot to jump in. Um, Tom, well, first tell them where they can find you on social media. But I mean, besides YouTube, I just told them on your other. Yep. So. Um, I'm basically just on Facebook and Instagram. Besides that, my Facebook is Virginia Outdoors Unlimited, and then my Instagram is VA Outdoors Unlimited. Are you pumped, man, for Kansas? I am. I am. I'm really hoping to shoot a pintail. Um, especially, it'll be nice if I can shoot it out from Jordan. Um, but I, <laughs> that's everyone's goal, huh? Exactly. Um, but I'm seeing a like trend said, here. Everybody seems to have the same attitude towards Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you he's just you just don't want to see someone else be successful in this water valley, right? <laughs> oh man, <laughs> that's cold. Cold. He's in, uh, he, I don't know if you've seen that post he had on uh I think it, I can't remember if it was on our uh the MVM show podcast group on Facebook, that page or if it was on his page Fellowship of the Duck and Chronicles, but it was a little short clip of him with our our uh podcast listening to it shaking his fist because me and Matt Matt was saying the exact same thing in his po- the podcast with him, so it was pretty funny. Uh-huh. <laughs> has, yep. he, has he shot at a Pinto? I think they had one come in last year, and I'm not sure if he shot it or what happened, but I just know that he didn't even have a claim to it. I'm sure if he had even put a shot in the general direction, he oh, would have yeah. been out there <laughs> grabbing it. Yeah, right? <laughs> that one's mine. Um, it's mine. I got it. Yep. <laughs> yep yeah, and so he, I, even I'm if he good. does... Yeah. Like, 
Even I'm curious to see who the bird claimers are on this trip. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're only going to be with two at a time. Yeah, you know, two true. or three that's at true. a time. So. And, and uh, we have the shot cam to keep everybody honest. So Yeah, like <laughs> there's probably always going to be a shot cam in every group somehow. <laughs> there's going to be one in mine, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, banded ma- that banded mallard is going to have to get uh, instant replayed. Yeah, the banded coot in my case. That's the plan I'm about to shoot. <laughs> Do you hey? Uh, do you hey, not you want to shoot coots? coots? Come out here, man. I've seen coots. I, there's coots on one lake that I hunt, um, and I've never seen a coot anywhere else that I hunt in Virginia. We have hundreds of thousands. You're so lucky. I wish that was our case. I hate. This I story. wish we had coots. I'd love to shoot. Although the one thing is, a lot of people I know who hunt coots around, then they have to buy coot decoys, and I don't really feel like buying any coot decoys. So they're that, they're that smart back there that you actually have to decoy them. Well, I mean, like, I was talking about for, like, Matt and stuff. I know he buys coot decoys because oh, a lot oh, of times, yeah, like, yeah. The, ducks are going, the ducks will go and land with the coots a lot. So mm-hmm. um, you kind of got to match match what you're seeing. Right, yeah, they're, do- they're doing that here, too, for sure. They just clump up. They're, I mean, there's so many. When you got that much movement on the water, you know what I mean? It's going to draw them. But, uh, yep, exactly. Uh, so let's uh, – I guess we can jump right into the black ducks. So it's – it being on my my hit list for sure. I mean, I'm just curious. How many do you think you get a year? Um, are you targeting them, or is that something that just comes in the group that you get lucky to get? You know, like what what's up? and and how smart are they compared to mallards? So yeah, I can touch on all those. Um, in terms of how many we get, I can tell you on my channel the past two years that um past two years there's been three shot i shot my first one two years ago um and then last year we were hunting a piece of public ground and my friend and his dad both shot one um but here in where i'm in at in central virginia it's really just a little bit west of kind of their their main um wintering range uh black dust are kind of weird we have mallard we have a, a large a large contingent of mallards around my area um, but black ducks are very like spot to spot. I, I have multiple friends who have spots in central Virginia where they shoot primarily black ducks. Um, but then I, you know, I'll hunt a bunch of my other spots and I never see a black duck. Um, so there's a couple of my swamps where I kind of have a feeling going into it a lot of days that there's a good chance I see a black duck. Um, but to touch on your point, Thomas, they really are that smart in my opinion. Um, they are the only duck that it seems like every time I'm working them, they come in over my head without fault. Uh, they'll come in over your head at 40 yards, and it, as soon as you hear them or see them, they're booking it out of range. So I don't know what it is, but it seems like they are always the ones to pick you out somehow. They're seeing you. They're, they're the ones taking eight circles. Um, so they're just a little bit more wary than a black duck or a little bit more wary than a mallard. And then even when they do come in, we had one come in last year, and of course it was as soon as we went to pick up decoys. So I turn around, and he's 10 feet away from me, and I just – completely fumbled it with my gun so uh, they are they are incredibly smart but yeah here in virginia you if you want to shoot black ducks you go to the eastern shore of virginia um we are pretty much at like the bottom of their main winter main wintering range so you can find them like i said sporadically throughout central virginia but there's not they're not really in any great numbers anywhere so they're not they're not flying in groups of 12 or 12 to 15 or something like that it's usually like a pair or a single or um yeah typically when i've seen they're in a pair of single i mean my friend chase they were hunting um our november opener so like november 22nd and they had 15 decoy right in at shooting light um he was hunting probably 40 miles east of 
where we typically hunt. But um, yeah, typically the further you go east in Virginia, the more black ducks you're going to see. It's typically the rule of thumb. Right on. Do you guys, so, uh, just, uh, this is just curiosity, do you guys set up for them um, like, like literally on the coast somewhere, like in, in salt water or? Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's where they love the saltwater marshes. Um, typically, they're going to be your number one puddle duck in saltwater marshes. So Virginia, I mean, we have the Chesapeake Bay, uh, the bottom half of it. So uh, pretty much all of our coastlines, a lot of our coastlines, salt marshes. People shoot a lot of black ducks down there. Um, and then we have that little east shore, which that comes down from the Maryland eastern shore, which is the goose capital of the world. Um, and that that has a lot of black ducks. You can pretty much go out there on any given day and count on shooting your two black ducks. Well, uh, my friend Chase has been making that trip quite often, so that's a trip we're going to make this year and go out there and hopefully do some have some good black duck hunts because black ducks and mallards are pretty much the same in our eyes now in terms of limits. So, well, I want to step back there from something you just said. You said, um, "What did you say about the geese?" You said the highest population of geese well it's what maryland um it kind of is where like i guess it's like the it's like the home of goose hunting um most of your goose they have like museums about goose hunting up there's uh the eastern shore of maryland so mm-hmm. it it winters a large majority of the atlantic population of geese and just has a ton of history with goose hunting it's probably not the best goose hunting in the world, even close. You can only shoot one goose up there per day right. now. Yeah, um, and that's what I was. But, that's why I was curious. To you saying that how good or whatever it is. If it if they why would they uh, limit that? You know, just the numbers. They, guess, yeah, that's, honestly, that's yeah. It's just what they call. It. It's more about the history, of the goose hunting capital of the world, gotcha. instead of the actual hunting. Um, yeah, you had a lot of goose call makers come out of there, and right. Um, yeah, just a big area for geese back in the nineteen and eighteen hundreds, I think. Mm. That'd be kind of interesting to go see. I wonder if they got museums and stuff like that over there with all that. Yeah, they do. That's they cool. have a, I mean, it's pretty cool. Have you been there um, and checked them out? Mm-hmm. I've been over there once or twice. I mean, yeah, it's really cool. I mean, these people, um, there's a lot of people out there who live, breathe, live, breathe, and die goose hunting. So, um, yeah, it's pretty cool out there. So, I guess, you, I guess you kind of somewhat answered it in a roundabout way, but like, what do you like seeing the best for the habitat for black ducks? I mean, is it only like right on the ocean, like a swampy type? Because I've never really experienced or seen like a swamp, like ocean salt, saltwater swamp. I did something unfamiliar to me. It's, I mean, yeah, basically like a salt. I mean, most of the areas where they're killing black ducks look look somewhat similar to what y'all are hunting, except we have like different grasses than than what y'all have with the tulies, or I guess that's what y'all call them. Um, they're different grasses, but they look pretty similar. I mean, it's like little creeks that come off um, the the bay or something like that, and that's really what they like. I'm not sure what they're eating in those in those salt marshes, but um, for some reason, that is definitely the black duck's preferred habitat. And then, you know, you can find a brown rivers, you can find a, some in swamps, you can find some in uh, flooded impoundments, um, but definitely, it seems like those salt marshes are are their number one go to. Mm. So is it actually salt water or because like here we have the delta. So you got the bay, which is salt water. And then there's a cutoff point to where it goes from salt to fresh. So is it is it kind of similar as what you're saying? Like you got that that line of salt water and fresh water. Yeah, um, typically inside the bay, you're dealing with you're dealing with salty brackish. Um, and then on the eastern side of the 
of the eastern shore of Virginia. Your water is the it's a bunch of like creeks and barrier islands and stuff like that. It's a really really cool habitat. If you ever look at, I um, recommend going and looking at at it on a map. It looks really cool. Um, but that is just straight salt water coming from the ocean. So that's another area that you can find black ducks in decently high numbers in. Hmm. Yeah, but they do. I, I, what were you saying? No, go ahead. I, I do think, I, you know, I've never been out there from what I understand. They tend to be a little bit more on the bay side. So they're not in that straight salt water. They're typically mm-hmm. in the, the more brackish water. Gotcha, gotcha. So you're what you're hunting mainly on your videos, Thomas, is kind of more it you're considering it swamp and not really timber, or is it kind of, you know, a mix? Uh, yeah, it's I I'd consider it more to be swamp. Um it's not it's not it's not it's definitely different than Arkansas seasonally flooded timber. Mm-hmm. Um it's, this is stuff that's flooded all the way throughout the year. Mm-hmm. Um there was one video last year where I talked about it, I think it was called um, oh shoot, I don't know what it was called, or it was something about like the ducks taught me a lesson because I yeah. missed the X that day. Um, but that would that day I was hunting what I would call more timber because the river had flooded way up, and I was hunting what would typically be hardwoods. But we don't have any big seasonal water changes where they can trap water stuff like that, so we don't have any real flooded timber um, except for a few stands down in southeast Virginia. But even that is um, flooded throughout most of the year, I believe. Hmm. Yeah, because yep. I you look at yours. I mean, it's kind of funny because you got Louisiana with the um, you know the gators and stuff, or uh, and 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 yours, your area where you hunt. I'm like, man, there's got to be gators in that in that water because it's just <laughs> it just looks tra- like trash. When I say trashy, I don't mean like it's dirty. Meaning like there's just so much for critters to hide in. That you're like, man, mm-hmm. there's got to be a gators in there or something. I mean, what kind of what kind of wildlife are you seeing when you're going out there? Sna- are you seeing snakes and stuff, or is the weather um, too cold? Typically, yeah, typically the weather's too cold to see snakes. I'll put it this way: um, I don't September goose hunt or teal hunt, or I don't even like wood duck hunting in our October season. Any of those swamps because the mosquitoes will typically carry you away. Oh, um, uh, but I've seen all sorts of stuff in those swamps. A lot of times, I'll have beavers. They like to swim right beside me and slap their tails. Um, I had one day before I had a big camera. I tried to film it on a GoPro, but you couldn't see them. But I had eight coyotes. I had my light going, and they came right up to the edge of the riverbank. And I was in the middle of this river, and they were just standing there looking at me um, like I was a piece of meat. So that was that was pretty scary. Um, I've seen a couple nice big bucks when I've been paddling in and out. So you'll see all sorts of stuff in there. A lot of animals go in there to refuge, uh, kind of uh, to hide from the hunting pressure. Um, just because no one else wants to get it. No one likes to muck into one of those deep swamps. So, Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious uh, for the black ducks. I don't mean to keep coming back and bugging you about it, but just it's just something that kind of intrigues me about them. But it is it does calling work with black ducks? I mean, is that something you can do? I mean, in, in the past, I, I would say so. I think I think it works. Um, I think it works pretty much as well as a mallard. I mean, they have the same. If you listen to their vocalizations, they have the same vocalizations as a mallard. Right. Um, I think definitely having black duck decoys out helps. I run black duck decoys pretty much all the time that I hunt because they stand out so much better. Mm. Um, I guess you've never had the opportunity. I'll have to show you when we meet up in Kansas. But I have some drone footage um, from my drone of flying over a pair of black ducks versus flying over a pair of mallards and it is night and day really um just because that dark because that dark color right 
they pop out in a, they pop out in a marsh, hmm. um, especially in dark, especially in dark conditions. Oh. Um, well, not in dark conditions, but if you have, if you have the sun coming out in any sort of capacity, even when it's dark out, if you have any sort of sun, that black just shows up on the water. So, um, yeah, it's really kind of different and weird, but for some reason it works, and I definitely um, try to take advantage of that. I typically have four to six black duck decoys with me at all times in a swamp. Nice. I've heard other people say that too, and it it's weird because it don't seem like it would, but a lot of people it, say you're missing out if you're not using black black decoys. I mean, one of my friends who he professionally flocks decoys, when he goes to Arkansas, he brings um, mallard drakes and black ducks. That's all he brings. Yep. When you're saying he uh, he uh, flocks them like that, like uh, like he'll remake old old decoys that are worn out or something like that, or mm-hmm. yep, yep. And hopefully, I'll do a couple of videos with him sometime about how he does it. But yeah, he done basically just hand he flocks them um, with flocking and then hand, airbrushes them by hand. So he does a lot of awesome work here in Virginia. Um, he has a lot of different customers. So yeah. That'd be. I would really like to see that video. That'd be super cool. If it's yeah, if I, it's not something he doesn't want to get public, maybe I don't know. I could understand that yeah, too. No, he definitely does. Yeah, they actually have a a Facebook page. It's called the D- Decoy Flockers Facebook page, and that's a, I'm a cool. That's an that's a Facebook page I'm in. I don't do any of it, but it's cool to just see some of the flocking these people do. It's incredible. Um, the airbrushing they could do by hand. I mean, I don't even think I could ever come close to it. Um, but yeah, hopefully we'll make that video. We touched on it a couple times. Uh, uh, we ma- I made a one video with him that was about the Popeye decoy I had. That he's oh, yeah. the one who made that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we touched, we talked about that a little bit, but we didn't really go into how we actually did it. So something hopefully we'll get get around to doing one day. Mm. Yeah, I saw that on your Instagram. That thing looks pretty sweet. Yep, yep. So he'll be doing another two of those this year. Um, there's big canvas back he's doing, and then a little bufflehead cork decoy. So. I'm hoping you get that canvas back from him and let me shoot some mallards in the swamp over it. That'd be sweet. Yeah. So what? What's your? You got some? I mean, obviously meeting up in Kansas and stuff, but like, what? What's your goal this uh, season with duck hunting and your YouTube channel? And like, you know, you got any big plans? And I don't. I don't really have any super big plans. I do want to make a trip out to the Eastern Shore, shoot some black ducks. Um, but that's really my only plan. I might try to go up north or, you know, into Maryland or south into North Carolina if if the opportunity presents itself. But I just want to, you know, have another fun duck season, stay safe, um, shoot a few birds really is my goal. Uh, we already got off to a good start, so try to keep that momentum going throughout goose season, uh, shoot a few birds in October. And then we have a big lull here in Virginia all throughout October and early November. So I'll have Kansas in early November, but um, – yeah, just look forward to November, get back, back into that cold weather and shoot some more ballards and black ducks at 10 to 15 yards. That'll be nice. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Sounds great to me. Yeah, I, w- I just want to work birds right back down into my face again. I mean, that, that takes the cake for me, having a mallard backpedal or whatever type of duck backpedal at 15 yards. I mean, it's just a sight to see, and it, it doesn't get old no matter what you do. No, uh-uh. Right. So, uh, you, on this seat, on this, this, sorry, on this up and coming season and everything yet. So how's your guys' split work? 
I'm kind of curious about that. So we have three. We have three seasons. Um, we have one that opens typically. It's the first weekend in October this year. It's the second because Columbus Day fall, falls late this year. I don't know why that is, um, but it's typically the Columbus Day weekend, and that's a four day season that opens on a Friday, goes Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, um, and that's typically people are shooting. I'd say probably 95 percent wood ducks. There's some blue wing shot during that still. Um, some resident mallards. Um, you can't shoot black ducks during that season. So that is one thing because they try to, they try to protect, um, our local nesting black ducks. So uh, you gotta be careful during that October season, not to shoot any black ducks. Um, and then we have a split basically from then all the way until late November. I think this year our November season opens on November 20th and we typically get a week and a half then. Uh, so we get, November 20th to December 1st this year. And then um, our December split opens up typically mid to early December. This year's December 19th because um, they're allowing us to hunt till January 31st. So it'll run from December 19th to January 31st, which everybody's all excited about. Um, I don't think it'll make any of a difference here in Virginia. What people don't realize is the end of November or January is, to, is statistically warmer than middle or early um, January or even mid December. So um, I think people are going to realize very quickly that uh, the ducks coming out of the woodwork after the season closes is, is more of a, a, a result of pressure versus some sort of weather pattern. Oh, true. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I feel like people every, every year. You see people, you know, post on Facebook, oh, man, they should have left the duck season open a week longer. All these ducks come mm-hmm. out. It's like they're not getting shot at. They know real quick that it's safe for them yep. to come back out. And yeah, it um, doesn't they take come long. off to safe spots. Yep, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. Prime examples are junior hunt. Like, what is it, two weeks, one week after season? One. Yeah, one week after season, we have our junior hunt. And you go out there, and it's just literally insane. Birds everywhere right on the deck you know just right in your mm-hmm. face like unbelievable and it's only yep. one week after after season it's a completely yep. different thing really completely different story yep yeah. and it doesn't matter you know what the weather patterns are it always seems like that's the case with our even with our early season hunt here in virginia so i think people are going to realize that pressure makes a lot more of a difference um, than some people think. So it'll be interesting either way with the new end, end date to the season. Hey, kind of change the, the bird here. I was scrolling through your Instagram. I had noticed uh, a stud-looking surf scoter, um, and you being in Virginia right next to the to the sea, literally on the other side of the, the country. But have you, uh, have you hunted uh, sea ducks quite a bit or no? That was my first time. I've only ever been once. Um, it's something a lot of guys do here in Virginia. Uh, typically, we actually have our special sea duck season. So you can go out in early November and shoot sea ducks. I'll probably do that a little bit this year. Um, so I actually should have mentioned that. But, yeah, that's another season we have, and that runs um, till early November or early January. And, shoot, I could go 15 minutes explaining all the different, like, parts of that sea duck season and the zone and everything. Um, but yeah, you can shoot those on the bay um, here in Virginia or out on the ocean, depending on where you want to go. Um, typically, most people are hunting them in the in the Chesapeake Bay. But yeah, we get a lot of surf scoters. We get a lot of all sorts of scoters. And then later in the year, um, we'll get some old squaw. Eiders t- very rarely get down this far south. But um, yeah, I know I know a lot of guys who hunt them. I just haven't really got into it. Uh, they're 
not the the best table fare. You can no, you can still eat them, that. but it just is a lot of more. You have to um, you can eat them. I've done the ones I shot. We ate, but if you leave a speck of fat on there, mm-hmm. they taste just like fish. Um, really? Their fat, for some reason, renders all that fish taste. If you cut off all the fat, cut off all the silver skin, um, mm. they really don't taste that much different. What we do is just do that, then um, brine them in salt for twenty four to forty eight hours, and then marinate them. Um, and my buddy served them to me. Um, once and I've cooked them myself once and both times. I mean, you couldn't tell them the difference from any other sort of duck, but really you have to cut every little piece of silver skin and stuff off or else for some reason it just tastes just like fish. Mm. So it's more of dealing with it tasting like that rather than like a salty type of type of taste. Yeah, I don't, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say it's, I'd say it's, it's somewhere between like you know the smell of low tide and fish is what that is <laughs> like. Uh, it's like it's like some sort of in between. I mean, if you look at one of their beaks, it's serrated. They're definitely out there eating you know all sorts of weird stuff. But, they got a crazy um, bill, man. Mm-hmm. Their bill's like partly soft. It's kind of weird. Really? I've seen yeah, like, like can, I've like, seen bill, a couple, but I've like never malleable. seen that close. The yeah. whole bill is. Yeah, like you. You can like well, I mean, up to like the base, but you know, yeah. you can like bend it in your hand. You can like squeeze it, and it'll bend together. Um, yeah, their bill is weirdly malleable, much more so than the only other time I've seen that is we shot a pintail that was like super young this year, and his bill was still soft. Um, hmm. but yeah, that's what those surf scoters are like. Yeah, at least in my, what, the ones I've seen. Right on. Yeah, I don't know why that is. I don't know why it would be soft, but it is. Yeah, we we haven't got a chance to to shoot any scoters yet. We saw a couple in uh, Lake Michigan, but it's kind of crazy. I mean, we're here in California. We could do our own sea duck hunting here, but we just we've haven't never done it. We just haven't broke into it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's fun shooting. It's definitely one of your more intensive source of hunting in terms of the decoys aren't cheap. Um, you got to really bird, watch you the weather. You got a lot of shells too. You, they're tough You're birds to kill. A lot of shells. Mm-hmm. Yep, I know guys who shoot them. The guys who really shoot them a lot are shooting BBs typically yep. at them mm-hmm. because they are so thick. Well, the thing is too is it's not so much missing, which it is missing. Because trust me, we missed a bunch at first because you don't realize how much you're you got to lead them. But now that when you do hit them, very rarely are they stone cold dead. You're having to shoot them cripple on the water, so it's just like. That's where you start burning through shells, you know. Yeah, yep, yeah, and I, I think that's why those guys shoot those bigger shot sizes. Is that you know they shoot big so- shot sizes and tight chokes. It's either the idea of a clean miss or clean kill. Yeah, because um, you do not want them to start diving on you because that can turn into a long boat ride. Oh, we saw, how far away did that one go? A hundred yards, Thomas? At least underwater that. within a matter mm-hmm. of just less than a minute. Oh yeah, insanely yeah. fast. It's incredible. They've done studies. They've done studies on like how fast they swim. It's insane. Like a fish. Well, they yep. they found them. I I did a um like a kind of a fun fact on one of my videos, a taxidermy video before, and I I don't want to exaggerate, so I'll cut it back a little bit just to make sure. But they they found um old squad down at like uh, I can't remember what like a hundred feet. I know it was over that, but like a ridiculous amount. Like you're like no way. But yeah, they mm-hmm. found them down there. You know, and two and three birds down there, um basically fishing. Going for uh, yep. for dinner, so it's pretty crazy, man. Pretty you start di- yeah, you start digging into yeah. those divers. It's just it's insane. You don't realize because we're so used to puddle ducks, you know, and that and stuff like that. I just don't realize the details. That's some pretty crazy details on those other birds. 
Yeah, yeah, they're definitely pretty wild, and it's something Virginia's kind of blessed with that we get to, you know, if you want to tar- go target something, you, you can try and go target it. You know, you might not have a ton of numbers, but typically if, if you want to go try to get something, you can you can at least take a shot at it. Yeah, you got variety. Yep. Yeah, that's cool. Um, before we end this podcast, I appreciate you coming on uh, to the podcast, Thomas, and uh, we're looking forward to meeting you in person there in Kansas here pretty soon. But uh, what, I'm going to throw you on the spot. I tried to warn the guest, but I didn't <laughs> didn't get a chance to this time. What is your craziest duck hunting experience or story? Craziest? Well, I mean, I could always fall back on the goose the goose hit. <laughs> I wonder. If I mean, that, that that's pretty good. That'd be a pretty <laughs> good one. That one has to take the cake. I mean, I, I'm just, let me think if I have a second best. Well, one. You, well, tell um, tell the listeners that one. Some might not have known. Yeah, so basically, or they don't, I, or they don't know it was you. <laughs> yeah, so uh, yeah, there was a video that went around social media. Some person shooting geese, one came straight in and hit them in the head. That was me. Um, we were hunting that day, and it was, we knew it was going to be a good duck day, but the geese didn't really decoy into there. We knew we were going to have to shoot them on the pass if they did come over. Um, so we had six come over, and I picked out the far right one and knew I crumpled him, but I went for the double. Um, shot him, then went for the triple, and I was about to pull the trigger on trying to get my triple. And I just remember, I, I just remember waking up in a heap, um, and I just like let out this groan. And my friends were standing there, and they looked, they were I, I still the the funniest thing for me. I wish I wish my GoPro had not flown off my head. Their faces were just like this pure puzzlement. They had no idea what had just happened, um, and they're just like, "Why, Why are you laying you on, on the, the ground? ground? <laughs> like what what?" What what made you want to lay on the ground? And I just go, I have a concussion. And um, at, at that moment, <laughs> I didn't think I had a concussion. Um, but uh, you know, the ducks were flying so good, I had to get up and continue to shoot. And <laughs> ended up shooting a three man limit with some bonus geese and went back home. And <laughs> my head was pounding the rest of the day. I went Jeez. home and took some Advil, and that calmed it down. But um, Luckily, I did not have a real concussion. I've had a concussion before, so I know what concussion symptoms kind of feel like. Yeah. Um, so, to, but yeah, I mean, that, that had to have jacked your neck up too, man. Unless it's, just, I, you know the, what I mean. The thing we were the thing we were talk, talking about is um, of the seven at that day, five had broken wings, and I just oh, to this day think how lucky I am that bird didn't come down and Ooh. stick a broken wing bone in yeah. my neck or mm. something. I mean, that could have. I mean, that could have ended up a lot straight worse. up killed me if, right? if there had been a bone. Fl- yeah, if there had been a bone flying. So, I, I mean, it was all fun, fun and games in the end, but it really could have been something dangerous had it gone a different way. But, um, yeah, definitely one of the I'd say that has to be the wildest story. I don't know if anything will ever top that. Uh, I think that's still a video that we'll pull up on our computers 15 years from now and kind of laugh about. Mm-hmm. So you you just did that knock you out completely or I th- I think so. Um, like you I don't really remember, remember it happening. You just remember I, like you on the ground. I just I just remember I remember shooting. I remember hitting that double, and I remember waking up on the ground. And <laughs> yeah. if you watch the video, you can hear there's about a six second or seven second pause yeah. from that groan I let out to when it comes in the blind. And the one thing I also regret to that day that I had three cameras out that day, and I almost turned the fourth one around to face us in the blind. Oh, man. If, oh, I had had, if I had had that angle, that would have been so money. Oh my goodness, man. <laughs> money. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. I, it would just had me getting crumpled. Yeah. Oh man. You know, and that's so funny because, like you were saying, and it, it's actually when I listened to you, uh, you and Matt with uh, uh, Jordan and Elliot. You're talking about how you wish you would have did that a little bit better, 
you know, watermarking and kind of conserving it for yourself and not where people are using it and don't know who you are. But it's like, I never thought about that before. I'm like, man, you know, you really do got to be care- – not that you're worried about so much, but then on the same hand, it's like, well, man, you kind it's your memory. It's something that happened to you, and people are leeching off of it, which whatever. But, you know, it's like – like you said, it's to have that other angle would have just yeah. – as good as that already was. I mean, that's the thing with GoPros. Nobody likes to wear them, right? Like to me, they they can give you a headache if you're wearing them on your head, or oh man, you know what I mean. It's just oh, like God. at the end of the day, after the hunt, you pull that thing off, you're like, oh my goodness, that feels so good. Take that dumb it feels thing. Feels like you take a weight literally off. Literally, your head. but you know what? Then, <laughs> but it's so worth it when you capture maybe that one or three or five or ten like really great shots or memories through that season. You're like, man, it was worth wearing it because I mean, just think about what you wouldn't have had if you didn't. So. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, GoPro. If you're listening to this, make us a GoPro that doesn't hurt our head so much. God, <laughs> I had to wear I had to wear that for eight hours on that float the other day, and my neck just felt like I, had, you know, put a bowling ball on my head for the day. <laughs> There's got to be something else they can make that's better. I know. I've really. tried. I've tried the bill ones where you clip it on to your bill. I can't do those. It just Mm-mm, it makes no. it so front heavy. It just I don't like it. Yeah, and it's also a lot more shaky than that. Yeah, that whole head strap on. True true but yeah i definitely you know i wish i had done it differently at the same time um had i done it differently i probably would have had a ton of people come and flock to my channel and expected every video to have something of that nature and they would have been very let down um (laughs) my 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 videos are um you know they are what they are so i don't i didn't want to be this guy who was known for this one thing um i like that you know the people who have subscribed to my channel have largely been you know watching it for a long time so right and I don't think they are, like you said, because maybe if it, like you said, if it would have been the other way around, maybe it wouldn't have been, they would have came and then left or something too, you know, not, yep. not because your content wasn't good, but they're, they're just looking for drama and it's just, we don't really, we're not really interested in those people, those kind of viewers, you know, myself and you, I know and the rest of the guys. Yep, exactly. I mean, it was a fun moment, but it's not, it's not that real waterfowl experience. That's exactly. not what, that's not what makes or breaks on. That's not what you go home and, you know what makes you happy at the end of the day right it was just kind of a freak thing that happened and like you said now that nothing did happen it's okay to laugh out but i mean like you said that could have been tragic man i mean it's so because we're you know we're like that all our buddies out here i'm sure you are too where you're laughing and joking about stuff later as long as it all turns out right but then if it doesn't you know just kind of like man what do we do you know yeah yeah but, uh, man, thanks for coming on, Thomas. Uh, like I said, we're looking forward to see you there in Kansas. And uh, if you don't mind, again, just kind of shout out your social medias and we'll wrap this thing up. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. It was a, it was a pleasure, and I hope the MVM podcast continues to grow and uh, takes its space in the, uh, in the podcast world, which is growing so quickly. I really, you know, I, don't, I, I didn't know. If I had known two years ago that podcasts were, grow- were going to be growing like this, I would have uh, stolen the Duck Gun podcast and started my own one. But, um... <laughs> yeah, you still can, man. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's still kind of a wide open thing. And it's, it's, I know. You know, I, I didn't really listen to podcasts a lot, maybe say a year plus ago, but I started slowly getting into it. And I'm like, you know what? There's a lot of great conversations you can have with a lot of cool people that they're really willing to come on and share their you know wealth of knowledge with you. So it's pretty fun. 
Yep. Yep. So thank you. Thanks so much for having me on. Um, my social media is, like I said, Virginia Outdoors Unlimited on YouTube and Facebook, and then VA Outdoors Unlimited on Instagram. I also have a Snapchat account, which is VOU Channel, but I hardly use that. Hopefully, I'll use that more as the season goes on, but um, no promises. Yeah. Right on, man. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next one. <laughs>